0: Well, today we will cover the fifth and sixth word because if you've ever been to a Good Friday uh, service, the speaker or speakers probably made reference to the seven last words of Jesus or the seven last statements or sayings of Jesus from the cross. And if this is new to you, I I tried to include, I think, a, a slide or two. There you go first one, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Which is Psalm 22. So once again, many of these are completion of Old Testament prophecies. Uh, number two, Father forgive them for they know what they do. Um, he tells this on the third one to one of the uh, men being crucified beside him. I tell you the truth today, you'll be with me in paradise. Last week, uh, we covered this one from John. Dear woman, here is your son and here is your mother. As he tells John, that now this is who I want you to take care of. Today is the 5th and 6th. I am thirsty, and it is finished. I feel a little under conviction preaching a sermon about finishing things. On my property, there are four unfinished car projects. In my garage, there are dozens of other things that have been broken that I plan on repairing. Uh, or I've picked up, even out of a dumpster, because I think my son threw a big doorway once that has all these glass panes in it. And I think he probably put it at the church dumpster, so I won't tell you which son it was. But I pulled it out thinking I could put pictures in that or take some of Brenda's cross stitch that she does and have this beautiful display. that's there in the garage. I have a brand new door that I've just never been able to cut properly. My saw has missed and... You know, there there are things, uh, antiques in there that need to be restored, things that we've had forever, things that my wife uh, brought home, kind of like lost cats, but there's no, it's just furniture. Then there's that backyard patio that I've been planning on building. Judd knows. He's probably known me five years, and I've been planning on building that for ten. Um, and that's not to mention my office that has dozens of books that have not been completely read I've probably read the introduction maybe the conclusion and then there are all kinds of papers and I have an office here and I have an office at home so I have double the unfinishedness pieces of paper that need to be filed or pitched or actually paid attention to hopefully they're not bills in there so yes I personify the word unfinished how about you Anybody got any projects at home that haven't been finished? How many of you are a project in and of yourself? You're not finished. There you go. God, and I know God's not finished with any of us yet. But I think we're in good company when we think about unfinished things. If you've ever been to Italy and gone to the Vatican and seen the Sistine Chapel, which I have, and you're not supposed to take pictures, but of course we were walking through with our cameras like this, we're not taking any flash photography. There you can see Michelangelo and what's, what's happening on that? Remember? Anybody ever seen that picture in a book? Look it up somewhere. God touching man. Okay. It took him four years to complete that. He would get frustrated and he would go back to Florence, his hometown, and Pope Julius II would have to beg with him and barter with him to come back and finish that, which he had never done one before. He, You know, you know his sculptures. You know, some of you have seen some of his other works of art, if you've been in the Louvre or other places like that. In fact, art historians tell us that he left more unfinished projects than completed projects. And there's actually a church in Florence dedicated to him that has... Uh, more of his unfinished works. So, unfinished. Jesus says it is finished. Let's look at the text right here. We're at chapter 19, still, verse 28. Later, knowing that all now all was now completed, so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said. I am thirsty. You could back up just a bit. All now has been completed in John 17, 4, I think it is. Uh, He says, I have brought you glory, everything he's done on earth, by completing the work you gave to me. Jesus was always about the work of the Father. Everything he did had a purpose, and it was a mission that God had sent his son for you and I. And he says that fifth one of those that we were alluded to earlier, I am thirsty. Uh, Probably a reference to Psalm 69 where he talks about uh, what was given to him in the midst of thirst. And a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Some say dismissed his spirit. Let it go. Verse 31. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. There's much conversation, uh, biblical commentators talking about exactly when and why this was done. We obviously know that they have celebrated the Passover meal, that the Sabbath is starting on Friday, this this Friday night. This is Friday, Good Friday, when he's being crucified. That night begins the Sabbath. And they knew that in, in Jewish thought and teachings that one hanging on the cross would not only bring... Uh, dishonor to that person, but it would, it would somehow taint the land if that body was left on the cross. So they didn't want that. Verse 32, uh, So, well, let me back up. So if they were still alive, the soldiers would come and break their legs, which would, as we talked about last week, would cause them to have no ability to, to lift up enough to get their lungs to fill up, so those would die from that. Verse 32, the soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man. It sounds like they started on each side. The first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. That will be another fulfillment of Scripture you'll see later on in this passage. Verse 34, instead one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. And how God speaks to you when you read, he pierced him with a spear. You think he threw the spear? Just just ponder that, because I've pondered another question I'll ask you in the sermon. Did he stick him from the ground, you know, with a spear and just stick him? Or did he actually have to throw it? So just ponder. Just think about that for a second. Bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. And there's oh so many commentaries about what is the blood, what is the water, and how medically was he in this part of the, the body when he struck him, whatever. The man who saw it, this word gets the reading, gets really awkward. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. Who do you think that is alluding to? The author, John, he has referred to himself in the third person the entire book. So he's basically saying, I saw it with my own eyes. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you will also or you may also believe. Verse 36 These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And another scripture says, They will look on the one they have pierced. That's from Zechariah. Let's pray. Father as we look at a powerful passage that has so much in it, more than what we can accomplish in one sermon, help us to focus in on that short little sixth phrase that Jesus says, it is finished, it is complete, it is accomplished, the debt has been paid. Speak to us each one today as we focus on the cross and what it means to us as believers, followers of Christ, and how if we're sitting here today and never profess Jesus as Savior, this would be the day that that person says, I now believe. He paid it for me. This is our prayer, and I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. A single word that I might use when a task is completed, in fact, I watch a lot of videos. Those of you know that, I watch some now with my grandson, and we're watching these Guinness World Book of Records videos this past week on 2023. I mean, if you could imagine it, there's a Guinness World Book of Records for it, but we're watching these young people do Rubik's Cubes, right? How many of you have ever done a Rubik's Cube without pulling the labels off of the stickers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was it a three, you know, nine, or was it like 12, or how many? But we watch these kids, and they, like that, and done, like that. And that's probably what I would have said, or I'm thinking in my mind, I would have said from the cross, done. But Jesus uses a word, and I have the big fancy word, I think, up there. Do I have the fancy word up there? Yes, I do. That is a Greek word. I'll let any one of you try to uh, pronounce it. Tetaleste? I don't know. Uh, As I always tell you, my Greek professor would always say, long as you're consistent with your inconsistencies, the people will think that you know what you're saying. It is a word that means to be completed... The aim of it, which it was, has now been finished. I, heard, I read one commentator saying it is the same root, although I wanted to argue with him, but he was the one who wrote the book and I, I'm not, was the same root word that we get telephone, television, and telegraph from, a message that has been received. So I think, and I'll tell you more as we go along, A better translation, and I don't know that anybody has this, and I did not research it, so I will stand up here, you know, kind of uh, embarrassed if somebody says, well, my Bible says that. Paid in full is what it should have said in our English vernacular. Paid in full. According to the synoptic gospels, Jesus cries out his words from the cross, shouts them out. The wine vinegar that he received, when he says, I am thirsty, that fifth one of his statements, to wet his tongue was not the same wine that he refused in Mark. I think that's chapter 15. You can correct me if I'm wrong later. Uh, But he's offered there wine mixed with myrrh. myrrh. That was a numbing agent, a medicinal use that would have... Helped him not feel the pain. He refused that. Now we have him taking this wine vinegar, which may have misheard me as some people answered that. Um, this was the cheap stuff. I know nothing about wine other than the colors of it, and prices vary. Give me Welch's grape juice any day, and I'm not saying that even if I wasn't Baptist. I like that better than the taste of you know fermented grapes. And I know it's. Why well, do you drink coffee? It's an acquired taste. And sorry, this is not a temperance sermon. But the wine that he received on that hyssop branch or piece of a bush was what the soldiers bought. It's the uh, ripple, if you will. And that ripple is what they. Was that? You what Fred Sanford always what, bottle of ripple? You know the the rock gut. Isn't it what they call it? It's the cheap stuff. I, I don't know what it costs a box or a bottle. Those of you who drink your wine from a box, you can talk to me later. But it was a cheap stuff that would actually probably have extended some of his pain. So he takes that drink and says, It is finished. They lifted that wine on a sponge, on a, stuck on a hyssop. Branch, I say branch. Bush, hyssop is. We don't have any here, but it's mentioned in the Old Testament. Anybody remember when? You are to gather hyssop, dip it in the blood of the lamb that has been slain, and use the hyssop to mark the blood upon the doorposts of your home, so that when the death angel comes, your your house would be passed over. Now here's all this symbolism, all these old words you've used before. And the Old Testament connection just really jumps off the page here. Hyssop was just a bush. It really wasn't a good source. So some Greek so- scholars think that, I was asking you about the, the spear, which comes into the question of how tall the cross was, which brings some scholars to say they mistranslated hyssop to hiso, which is a Greek word for the Roman javelin, that maybe they lifted it up on a javelin. And of course, as Cliff's mind is always strange and thinks in weird ways, I really got to thinking, well, then how tall was the cross? And and there's this whole school of thought, you know, I, <sighs> my mind goes in strange places. When we were at Okinawa, we had an off-base church have a guy dressed up like Jesus, dragging a a cross through the base. Those of you who are, have been in the military, you can imagine the consternation and the, who got called as the chaplain first. The senior chaplain, I got called, I had to go meet the guy and tell him, hey, you got to do this. And, oh, I got a religious. Per-. Anyway, that's a long story. But what I alluded to last week is that Jesus, most commentators think that the men who were cru- crucified were carrying the cross member, just, just the, the horizontal part of the cross. And that when they arrived to the execution place, there they were nailed or tied and then lifted up. Now, you have to think that through. If they're lifted up, how high could two good men or two good women lift a horizontal wood piece carrying a 180-pound man? Let's say they were lighter than us in those days, a 160-pound man. How high could you lift that person? So i got to think about that. Well, then maybe it is the vertical pieces on the ground, they nail it in, and then you have to dig a hole. Those of you ever put a post in, you know, you put, put a pole in, and it starts moving, you got to get the footing in there. And the sh- so however you in your mind can work out, whether it was Jesus nailed to a cross on the ground, lifted up, or he was lifted up truly by others to be hung on a vertical piece of wood, how high was he off the ground? Most commentators say that anywhere from 8 foot to 12 foot. Now my question is, how tall is your Christmas tree? Some would say as tall as the ceiling is in my house. And why is it we want a taller Christmas tree than the cross we're willing to pick up daily and follow him? I prefer Christmas trees to crosses, you might say. It takes work to pick up your cross daily. It takes dedication to pick up your cross daily. It takes determination to take up your cross daily. You have to exercise that habit, if you will. Let's go back to that word. One of my seminary professors said, and I quote, "...sometimes when you parse a verb and take it apart in the language of Scripture, it's like taking the petals off of a flower." But there is something to be learned from that very word that Jesus used here. If you do parse it out, it is in third person. It's singular, and it means that Jesus was not speaking of himself but of something else when he said, it is finished. We can thank German-Greek scholar Adolf Deismann, who studied papyrus found in the late 1800s, along with other German language experts, to find out that the Greek that is used in the New Testament is Koine Greek common or community Greek, a little bit different than what's on the Rosetta Stone, that if you've ever been to London, to the History Museum, you can see it there. I think I took 30 seconds and looked at it and realized I couldn't read it after all my Greek studies, and it went on to the next exhibit. But nonetheless, he is the one who studied these ancient papyrus that came from the first century, and the documents that he was looking at were loans and deeds and when they were finally paid for they were stamped with that word paid in full Jesus was not saying I'm finished he's saying the debt has been paid payment for your sin has been fully done and received and made Remember when businesses had stamps? I know I'm showing my age that you would pay for something. They stamped it. And I, I tried to think of it because you know I love movies. There's surely a movie I've seen where there are guys just stamp, 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 stamp. Because pe- some people really got good at that. And I know we still have a couple stamps here with a return address. And I think, I don't know if Dan stamps any of our invoices or not. But there's a couple stamps like that back there, rubber rubber uh, stamps. But if you ever paid a car off, <laughs> I have. I have. When it comes, if you took money out as a loan, when it comes, the title comes to you in the mail after you've paid for it, it has a stamp, it has a notary, it has something on it from the loan institute to say it's paid, it's been released, it's now yours. Some of you have been to establishments or venues that you've had your hand stamped. Some of you are looking cross-eyed at me. And you put it under a black light, and, or maybe it was true-up ink, and it showed that you had paid the admission price to get into that particular activity. Jesus has stamped on the hearts of believers, paid in full. Paid in full. Allowing you entry into heaven, like you got stamped on your hand, entry to some activity. So, paid in full, and second, let's look at this, your receipt. John goes on with great detail to explain that Jesus, once he cried out in pain, it is accomplished, it is finished, it is paid in full, that he gave up his spirit and died. In fact, he talks about The sword or the spear that was stuck into Jesus' side. That's why I asked the question, how high was he off the ground? I I don't know. But suffice it to say, John is very much engaged with the docetic movement that was going on at this time, which was saying that um, when he wrote the Gospel of John through the inspiration of the Lord, that many of that day were saying, well, Jesus wasn't fully man when he was on earth. He just appeared to be a man. And John is arguing with Holy Scripture to say, no, I bear witness. I saw the water and the blood that came from his side. And what I say is true. And that's just basically a repeating of those latter verses that we read today. And those types of thinking, that type of truth, is contained in many of our old songs, as well as our new songs. I know that uh, Wade is a Fanny Crosby fan. I could not find find it in the Baptist hymnal, probably because I had the wrong, you know, how you memorize songs and know the chorus, but can't remember what the real title is to look it up. So quickly as we were coming in here, I thought it was called near the cross. And here are the words, Jesus keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, interesting fountain. She's, She's pulled that from his side, which flowed water and blood. There's a precious fountain free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. And I told you last week that we're not even really sure that Calvary was on a mountain, but that's the way in our minds it's been portrayed. She says in the refrain, in the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. Till my ransom soul shall find rest beyond the river. Other song by August Toplady. Yeah, I had to memorize that one. Toply T-O-P-L-A-D-Y, Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, Cleft, not cliffed for me, cleft for me, that striking of the rock alluding to the Old Testament as well. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from my wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Water and blood. Save me from wrath and make me pure. Dennis was in my office before and I was trying to sing that to him. and He told me, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. But we both said you can see how some would say that's a foreshadowing, if you will, or telegraphing baptism of water and communion, the blood. I don't know, but that's obviously where August took some of it. Those songs remind us that we have a receipt, that things have been paid in full. And you know about receipts, right? If you've ever been to Costco or Sam's Club, what do they do when you're walking out? They check your receipt, make sure you paid for what's in your cart that you had to box yourself. Lately, they've started at Walmart here in Helotus. And I was less than pastoral about a month ago when some young man stopped me as I've got a bag, and I think I had a bag of stuff and then a bag of potatoes or something, and I did not waste a plastic bag to put a bag, plastic bag of potatoes in a bag. And he stopped me and said, may I see your receipt? And I first wanted to say No. I said, why? As I handed it to him, he said, well, that's a procedure we have now. And because you don't have the potatoes in a bag. So I thought, well, I could put a bicycle in a bag and walk out of here and you'd never ask me. But I said, please tell your manager I don't like it. I think they're still doing it. So (laughs) how many times have you heard, keep your receipt for warranty, for a refund, keep your receipt? Uh, another personal illustration, I know you every time you do too many of them, you go, "Wow, uh, stationed in Okinawa, and uh, for Christmas, I got my daughter her first iPod that 's how long ago. Remember that little square rectangular thing had music on it. Christmas, she opens it up. you know Cliff has never seen one you know it 's foreign. I get my thumbs on it, work with her, and about after a day or two, it freezes. Now, those of you who remember those in those days, usually you could do a couple things by pushing buttons simultaneously and unlock them, unfreeze them, give them to any young person. they probably, (laughs) I can fix this in a second. But none of us could. So Cliff, being mad all the time, goes to the BX and says to the lady, I want a refund. I have my receipt. And on the back it says up to like 30 30 days for maybe electronic, 60 days for something else, and it's electronic. And I said, I want my money back. She goes, oh, I can't do that. We don't do that here. I'm like, what? Yeah, we don't do that here. In fact, you have to call this number of a Japanese business outside the gate. They will come to the gate, pick it up, and if they can't fix it, then they will tell us that you can be, have it replaced. <laughs> no, that ain't happening. Get the manager in here. The manager comes in. He is angry. You can tell he's Mad that I've messed up his day, and he lights into me like I would light into him had given the opportunity. And I said, I have a receipt, and he raised his voice. And those of you who knew me in uniform, I never did this. (laughs) It's like conviction that I did it. I said, Take a look at my uniform, study it hard, look at what's on my lapel, look at what's over my pocket. Man, he was like, you know, like three circles. And he went to the lady and said, give him his money back. <laughs> so then, once again, conviction hits. Because, you know, I never, they always said, don't let the, the bird poop on the cross. And they said it much worse than that for chaplains. And I, I told that lady, I said, man, I feel so bad. I'm, a, you know, I'm supposed to be a representative of my Savior. And here I am. She goes, oh, I'm so glad you did it. Nobody ever talks to him like that. Study the cross. Study the cross. He paid it in full for me and for you. Not my sweet wife, not my sweet mom, not my sister. She's sweet too. I got tired of all the sweets. No one paid it for me. I couldn't pay it for me. Only he could pay it for me. And my receipt I don't have a receipt, but I do have his written word here, that if you will read it and others will listen to it, they too will understand that he paid the price for you and I. My heart is stamped with paid in full. Have you ever been to lunch or supper with someone and, They say, hey, I got the check, and you go, no, I got the check, and I got the check, and no, you got the check, and there are some of us that are very good about getting up sneakily and going to pay before the other people even know about it. And Then after they do that, you go, man, I wish I had the biggest steak. (laughs) I should have had two desserts if I'd known they were paying. On the cross, the Son of God, the incarnate God, the one that John says in 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh, all those things, He has paid the price. And no matter how big your error, how big your sin, how big your, get this one, mistake, He pays the price for you and I. He finished his work, the work that the Father sent him to do. If you will only recognize that payment and allow him to change your heart, your life, for eternity. Stand with me, please, as we come to a time of invitation. Lord, as I pray now to this congregation, may your Holy Spirit move in a mighty way. Speak to us, Lord. Let us know. What Christ did for us on the cross, it was planned out. He was successful in the mission that you had given him and mission accomplished. He said, I paid it all. That which we could not do, he did for us. Don't let us walk away without claiming that gift. If there's someone here, Lord, who needs to come and say, I have never accepted Christ Let them come and we'll pray together, invite into their lives the sweetness of knowing Jesus. Perhaps there's someone who wants to come and just kneel at these steps and say, I haven't lived like I've been redeemed. I haven't lived or displayed my receipt of paid in full. Father, whatever decision they want to come and pray, we have prayer warriors that will join them. Let your spirit move mightily right now. For I ask it all in Jesus' name.